0: We're going to be in Luke chapter 10 this morning, right here, verses 38 to 42. We're going to start with. So if you want to turn there, I will read as you follow along. Luke 10, 38. all by myself. Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about so many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one thing. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father, please remind us, and we we need constant reminding. Uh, I need constant reminding of the one thing that is needed in the midst of our busy lives. Uh, the one thing that is better we give this time to you in Jesus' name, amen. A teacher gave her class of second graders a lesson on the magnet and what a magnet does. So the next day, in a written test, she included the question, kind of like you would do for second graders, My full name has six letters. The first one is M. I pick up things. Who am I? And when the test papers were turned in, can you guess what the astonished teacher found out that over 50% of the students had answered? Mother. Mother. (laughs) That's great. So... A teacher asked a boy, and i have we you might all be familiar with this. A teacher asked a boy this question: "Suppose your mother baked a pie, and there were seven of you—your, your father, your mother, and five children. What part of the pie would you get?" This is a simple math question. One sixth, replied the boy. "I'm afraid you don't know your fractions," said the teacher. Remember, there are seven of you. Yes, teacher said the boy. But you don't know my mother. <laughs> mother would say she didn't want any pie. <laughs> that sounds like a mother. So, I just wanted to give my happy Mother's Day. Also, I will be leaving from here to have lunch with my mother in Puyallup, who has been a huge blessing in my life. Some of you have heard this. I. I here for a second. Um, My most vivid memory of my mother, Um, she was crazier than I am, I'm more serious, you know, Um, was when I came home from college on a spring break and I was laying in my, on uh, the bed in my room and I heard a noise and I looked, and my mother had crawled on her hands and knees down the hallway and into my room to scare me. <laughs> that's, that's my memory of my mother. Um, well, there's others, too. Um, <laughs> In a study on the monetary value, somebody did a survey one time, the monetary value of a mother's, or you could say a wife's, service in the home, um, they listed the various functions that a mother or a wife performs. Chauffeur, gardener, family counselor, maintenance worker, cleaning woman, housekeeper, cook, errand runner, bookkeeper, budget manager, interior decorator, caterer, dietician, secretary, public relations person, hostess, and on and on. And using this list of household duties, common household duties that a mother would do, the survey, this was back in 1981, estimated the dollar value of a mother at $785.07 a week. That was back in 1981, $40,823.64. Um, I'm guessing that today, and in our inflation would probably be 100000 at least. Um, when I think of the busyness of a mother, and we're talking about busyness, and I tell you, mothers, there's no one busier than a mother. I think my favorite nursery rhyme is this. It's there was forgive me, old woman in the shoe. Okay. There was an old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children she didn't know what to do. (laughs) She gave them broth without any bread, whipped them all soundly and put them to bed. (laughs) I hope that wasn't your mother. (laughs) Uh, That wasn't my mother. Being a mother is certainly a 25-8 job, right? Not a 24-7. (laughs) 25-8, 25 25 hours a day, 8 days a week. (laughs) The question that I want us to ask this morning, this might be for some of you as a mother, but it might be for some of us just in the midst of life, how does a mother... Busyness and such responsibility, find time for God. Um, and our lives are so hectic, aren't they? How do we, in the midst of such busyness and such hecticness, find time for God? <clears throat> maybe maybe that's you trying to provide for a family busy going to school, taking a big load, working two jobs, or just finding <clears throat> life to be the constant rat race that it can be. How can we find time for God? And maybe that's where some of you are this morning. You're saying, man, life is just busy. I feel like one of those little mice, you know, on the the wheel. It just keeps going. It doesn't get anywhere. It just keeps <laughs> just keeps on that little treadmill. Um, We find a good example here in Martha. And I'm thankful that Luke chapter 10 isn't the end of the story. It's it's actually the beginning of the story. But it's where we're going to start as we look at at Martha's life. And I want you to just follow with me. I'm going to just kind of read and highlight the text again. as, um, As I want us to focus on Martha this morning. She's a busy gal. Look at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way walking, they come to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. I want you to just settle on that, because we see later, this is actually Martha and Mary and Lazarus' home. But the focus in this passage, this text, is all about Martha. She opened her home to him. And I think in this context, this is what Martha's feeling she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what He said, and, and, and Martha's upset about this. There's no question about it. Here she is doing everything. It's all been dumped on her. Her, her, her sister doesn't care a hoot. All she is she's just sitting doing nothing, listening to Jesus, leaving everything to Martha. Says Martha was distracted by all the preparations. I mean, you think about it. She's had to make sure the table servings were all in place, and the table was set, and the and the roast beef was cooked just right, and, the, and, and that the you know the scalloped potatoes didn't burn, and that the vegetables were just perfect. They weren't too mushy, and they weren't too raw. I mean, she and and she was distracted by all this, and in the back of her mind is she's so busy. Needing that's needing to be done in order to serve Jesus as he should be served, right? I mean, this is it's Jesus that's the guest, and she wants everything to be just perfect. Her desire for everything to be just perfect. There's her lazy bum sister just sitting on the floor listening to Jesus while she's doing everything. So she comes to Jesus and she says Lord, don't you care? I want you to see that this is is Jesus that she's wanting to do for that she's now upset at. Don't you care that my sister has left me to do everything? Everything by myself. Tell her to help me. Tell her to get her lazy tush off the floor and Get in the kitchen and help me to do what she should be doing. Verse 41. I don't know what looks I was getting. Maybe I shouldn't have said lazy tush. Anyway, okay. Verse 41. (laughs) Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. And the Martha, Martha, In the... In the Hebrew context, it's 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 just one of emphasis, but it's also one of intimacy. You were worried and upset about many things. <laughs> you're worried about the broccoli and the scalloped potatoes and the, and the roast beef and the table settings and and you're you're worried about so many things. But few things are needed. Indeed, only one. And 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 I want you to think because. Because I think we're going to come back and talk about this. What is that one thing that is needed? because I think there we can be misunderst misunderstand what this is. You're upset about so many things there's really only one thing that is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her and I'm thinking that immediately i for myself for years i looked at this and i thought that's the answer it's not it's not serving it's just sitting and listening to jesus is that what jesus is saying what is jesus trying to teach martha martha is such a great illustration of busyness Um, she is totally frazzled she's feeling unappreciated ever been there so busy doing something for people, we just feel, man, nobody cares. I'm doing this for you, and you don't care, you ungrateful wretch. And she has no time for Jesus, the person that she's supposedly serving. And so Jesus responds by saying, only one thing is necessary. The question I want us to again, look at this morning, is can someone like Martha find time for God in the midst of their busy, harried life? And the answer is yes. And, uh, and, and the good news is that, that we, Martha got it. And we're going to look at how I believe she got it. But before we do that, turn from Luke 10 to John 12. It's kind of the end of the story. And if, if you want to put this into context, we just read Luke 10, and um, John 12 would be equivalent in in a time frame to Luke 19. So Luke 10 to Luke 19, maybe in, maybe this is about a year later that uh, Jesus is again in the same home. And um, so Luke, uh, excuse me, John 12. Uh, starting at verse 8, if you follow along with me. John 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, and this is just just before the transfiguration. It it follows immediately after the passage that I'm going to read. Just before Jesus' death and resurrection, so about a year, maybe a year and a half later, from the first time Jesus was in their home, Jesus comes to Bethany. Where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Verse 2 is the focus. I want you to get this. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table for him. And as we go on, that's that's what we get from Martha right there. And then the rest goes and talks about Mary. And and it's the same Mary, the same Mary that Martha's sister, who is sitting at Jesus' feet, comes in now with a bottle of very expensive ointment, probably worth a a year's wages, and and breaks it and pours it over Jesus' feet. It's the same Martha. um, Excuse me, the same Mary. And it's the same Martha, but it's a different Martha. Uh, I, I actually like the wording in, in the New American Standard where, where literally it says in verse 2, it says, so they made him a supper there and Martha was serving. It's a totally different context than what we see in Luke chapter um, Luke chapter 10. It, it, do you notice the change in the text? It's, it's no more... I'm in this on my own. Poor me, harried Martha. It's simply they, not Martha welcome, welcoming him into her home, but they, her and others, serving Jesus and Martha serving. Something obviously changed um, between. Luke chapter 10 and and John chapter 12, Martha's first encounter and this one. You know, if, if something hadn't have changed, I think Martha would be absolutely furious in John chapter 12. Because in John chapter 12, when Mary wastes... And that's what Judas Iscariot accuses Mary of, wastes a years of wages on this expensive ointment that could have been sold. And, and as he says, given to the poor, I mean, Mary, Martha could have been livid. What is her idiotic sister doing? But, the, but something's changed. Um, before we look at how she changed and what changed, I want, I want to just make a couple statements about what did not change. And I think this is important because I think we can get confused as we look at Martha and Mary together. And the first, what I see that did not change, her heart to serve did not change. You see that? I mean, in Luke 10 and in John 12, we see Martha and Mary in the same roles. Martha is still serving, but something's changed about her. If she's still serving. it's not. She's not now sitting at Jesus' feet. You see that? Martha is still Martha. Her heart to stir. She's still serving. Her personality, her passion, her gifting is still the same. She hasn't become Mary. She hasn't been guilted into saying, you know, serving is second rate, you should be sitting at Jesus' feet. And, and, and to be honest, for years, that's kind of how I understood this passage. It's like, serving is second rate, sitting at Jesus' feet, that's first rate. But that's not, what's, that's not what we see here. Her heart's the same, her personality, her passion, her gifting, what, who she is is still the same. She's, she's been called to serve, and that's what she's doing but she's doing it different. Jesus isn't turning Martha from a server into a sitter. He's not saying that serving's bad, that working's bad, and and you should just be sitting and reading your Bible all the time, okay? It's not what what we see here. So how did she change? The contrast between the two passages, this is what I see. Number one, in Luke 10 it says she, she was... Carried with much service. And in John 12, it just says she's serving. It's a difference. I I see that Martha, what has changed about her has brought balance to Martha's service. Instead of doing more than she should be doing in service, she's just doing what she should be doing. Balance. Balance. The second thing I see is, is her attitude from, in Luke chapter 10, it's like it was all about her. It's like, nobody cares. I'm in this alone. To where John 12, that's why I like the translation in the New American Center, says, they made him a supper there. It, it's no longer Martha going alone thinking, I'm in this by myself. Nobody cares to where Martha sees herself as a part of a body. She's in this with others. And so her, her service now has balance, and her service now, she sees she's part of a body. She's, part of, she's in this with others. And the, and the last thing I see is, she, in, in Luke 10, she was described as being distracted mm-hmm. Distracted. I mean, she is. There's so many things she's trying to remember, and you know, we kind of, in our world, praise multitasking. I think it's probably overrated. Just trying to feel good about being maybe distracted and harried and doing much service. Um, it changes in Luke 10 from being distracted, where in in John 12 she's very focused. She's just. She's balanced, she, she's along with others, she's just simply serving. She's doing what she's been called to do, what, what her passion and her heart is doing, but she's not distracted in it. And so the question is, what happened? What happened to Martha? And to put it, put it simply, to give it one word, and then I'm going to talk, just talk it through a little bit, it's her perspective, I believe, changed. And when we ask ourselves, how can we find God in the midst of the rat race of life, the heart of it, the key, has got to be our perspective. Our perspective. Remember, this isn't about her personality or her passion or her occupation. She didn't need to switch, and Jesus didn't try to switch her from being an engineer or a banker, or a mother to being a full-time Bible student. That's not what Jesus is saying here. You just need to leave all of that and become a full-time Bible student. That's not, what, that's not what's going on here. That was Mary. That was Mary's calling. You see that? That wasn't Martha's calling. Martha was still a server, but her perspective has, had, had changed. And and I don't know, do you know how it transformed her from Luke 10 to John 12, where she's harried and worried and distracted and irritated and upset and judgmental? Where now in John chapter 12, there's a simple joy in serving Jesus and there's no more judgmentalness of others. She's just simply serving Jesus with joy. So, what happened? I think what happened is she simply took Jesus at his word in Luke chapter 10 when he said, you're, you're, you're worried about so many, you're distracted by so many things, there's only one thing that is necessary. And he shifted her focus from everything to one thing, to him. Again, it didn't mean that she took her shoes off and sat at Jesus' feet. That wasn't Martha. She was a server. She wasn't a student. Um, But it meant that with him as her focus, instead of all the stuff as her focus, and life is full of stuff, right? Instead of all the stuff as her focus, her serving gained balance. She knew what she could do and what she couldn't do. We need balance, don't we? (laughs) And she realized that she was part of a body, that she wasn't a one woman Martha show anymore, and that she could abide in the midst of the busyness as she had a one thing focus. Life will be busy. My life's busy. Um, your lives are busy. I have said many times that if I'm busy on the outside, it's okay, but when I get busy on the inside, that's when I got a problem. Do you, you understand that? I mean, I can, there can be all kinds of things going on, and in the coffee oasis, there's all kinds of things going on. We're opening two new locations in Port Orchard in the next Three months. Kind of keeps me busy. Jake, you need to talk to your wife. She's looking at you like, what are the two locations? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm watching you. (laughs) So one of the locations, just just for Susanna, for your sake. (laughs) One of the locations is on Bay Street, 807A Bay Street, the old ale house on Bay Street. Um, It's going to be a wonderful bottom coffee oasis top youth center comes with a two-bedroom apartment that we're gonna be able to use for transitional housing for young people and then we just received a letter on Thursday of last week Um, we made a proposal to be in the Kitsap County administration building also so we'll be kind of like we're in the Norm Dix government building we're gonna have a coffee stand in the Kitsap County administration building across from the courthouse in Port Orchard Um, So that keeps me busy. Um, Unless I punt it off on somebody else like John, you know, who's done all my work for me. (laughs) Um, But when I start getting busy on the inside, that's when I need to stop and get perspective, get my eyes back on the one thing, Jesus. It's what Brother Lawrence learned in the monastery kitchen. If any of you read the little book, Practicing the Presence of Jesus, it's a great little book. It's where he said that he could be more at peace and in the presence of Jesus within the demands of the hustle and bustle of the busy kitchen than he could be alone in his cell because he'd learned that one thing, that perspective in the midst of busyness. Um, I mentioned this a few weeks. It's it. It was like a Susanna Wesley, busy with her brood of nineteen children. Something to strive for, ladies. No, I'm just um You <laughs> tell <laughs> that was a guy talking, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Flipping her apron over her head. Surrounded by all of her children. To gain perspective and get her eyes back on Jesus. So she could carry on by herself. As her husband was away or in debtor's prison most of the time. In raising her children to be the men who changed the world. John and Charles Wesley. Perspective. It it, it was Jesus, too, thronged. I mean, there was no one in life busier than Jesus. Thronged by people, wanting healing and delivering deliverance. Uh, Listening to his every word, thousands of people just thronging him, going away by himself into the desert to be with his father so he could serve them in the power of God. Of the Spirit, and that's why he said he came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. And able to do that because he was going away to get perspective. Perspective. Why is this one thing, and how can this one thing, Jesus, give us perspective? Just just for a few minutes before I kind of wrap it up. Why is it that? Him being our perspective, fixing our eyes on Jesus, setting our eyes on things above. Why is it that He can give us perspective? And, and just a couple of ideas just to help you. Is Number one, I mean, just think of the, th- the, the th- ways He's described in Scripture. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. I'm the, the way, the truth, and the life. In, in Ephesians 2, it says, he himself is our peace. I mean, he's the cornerstone. And what I, maybe one of the verses I love more than anything else, describing how Jesus being our perspective can help us keep perspective in the midst of life is Luke nineteen ten, where it says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to restore what was lost. You know, we're a, Humanity that has lost our way. We're not what God created us to be in his image, experiencing that because of the fall, because of sin. But that's why Jesus came. He came to restore, to free, to deliver, to save. He came to make us what only he can make us to be. He came to help us to experience what only he can help us to experience because he is life. And that's why he needs to be that one thing, the one that gives us perspective. So in the midst of the hecticness of life, and it doesn't say, well, forget life. Go away, you know, go away like a monk into a monastery. It's not saying that. It's in the busyness. That's what I like about practicing the presence of Jesus in the midst of the busyness Brother Lawrence found peace because he gained perspective his eyes fixed on Jesus and so his eyes fixed on Jesus everything else found its place found its place, its its value, its importance in light of eternity in light of what's really important in light of what's really valuable so what do we do? to find him in the midst of our busy lives. If your life is hectic, and if you're feeling in life like you're a Martha, you're harried, you're distracted, you're distressed, you're worried, um, just a few things to leave with you. Number one, remember, remember only one thing matters. You know, when we're so consumed with everything, we lose perspective. You know, it's amazing how the, the importance and the value we can give to things that really, you know, in the, in the eternal scheme of things, so much of it can be let go. Or it can be done with others. Or it can be done later. It can be done with balance. Remember, only one thing matters. Number two, remember, you aren't the only one. You aren't it. I'm not it. Number three, perspective. We so easily allow our focus to become busy, cluttered, harried, distracted. Don't we recognize, number four, that he is the one alone who can give us peace in the midst of our busyness. He's the one who can give us perspective in the midst of our busyness. Everything else gains perspective when our eyes on him when our eyes are on him so what does it mean for you it might mean this week flipping an apron over your head <laughs> for a few moments to be still and know that he's god it might mean rising up early each morning to spend quiet time alone with him, to get perspective before you enter into the busyness of the day. Keeping your mind's eye fixed on him in the midst of what you're doing, like Brother Lawrence, in the midst of the busyness of the, of the kitchen, just keeping that calm focus on who he is and the perspective he gives in the middle of our busyness. How can we find him know him enjoy him love him in the midst of life with all of its busyness it's remembering that only one thing matters and he's the one that gives us perspective and peace let's pray father uh, these are good words for me because I uh, can get so distracted and, and sometimes even glorifying busyness. Maybe thinking that I'm important because I'm busy. Oh God, give us perspective. Help us to remember that there are so many things clamming for our attention. There's only one thing that really matters and that one thing Jesus will give us Perspective. And an understanding of what is truly important and what is truly valuable, what truly matters. Father, open our eyes afresh to see Jesus, our life, our restorer, our peace. Thank you for Jesus. Amen.